the night is dark and full of terrors. You have until our provisions arrive, provisions which will help us break into your elegant home. If you don't deliver him by the aforementioned time, we'll release the beast on him and on you. We don't want to kill our own. Please just let us purge. Why are you doing this to us? Because you are home. I am death. Vengeance is mine. Winter is coming. two-part episode of the season four recap of Game of Thrones. To Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in U.S. of A. And with me in the state of Michigan? <laughs> this is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? I uh, well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine. How are you, Phil? I'm doing well. And A won't be joining us due to the fact of the subject. He is not caught up on what we're discussing tonight. Uh, first off, Eric. Why don't you let everybody know about that other podcast that you have your buddy Dan? It's a general interest podcast called the Ascancity Podcast. That's A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on the iTunes store or at Ascancity.com. And Mike, you do a genre blog. Uh, yes, I do. Uh, that's uh, Unnatural Selections, or I just kind of discuss whatever it is in genre entertainment is passed by my, my noggin. And uh, that's www.unnaturalselections.com. Excellent. And uh, Abe, who isn't here, however, he does a genre blog as well, and it's called A Realer Movie Reviewer. And on www.darkdiscussions.com, which is us, on the right side of the page, you can find a link to his blog, as well as Mike Spog and Eric's podcast, as well as a, other, a number of other links of significance related to the podcast, including Christy Peterson Schoonover's website and MJ Preston's website and Jason Lloyd of Horophilia's website as well. And at the bottom of every page of www.darkdiscussions.com are links to all these things, including Facebook, which we have a group, Dark Discussions Podcast, our email, darkdiscussions at aol.com, and we do have an email tonight. Uh, surprise one that people 
uh, here, meaning Eric and Mike will be glad to hear. And we're on iTunes and Stitcher. So, Mike, speaking of iTunes. Yeah, Apple sucks. <laughs> oh, is that, is that the right, not the, not what I was supposed to be doing? No, no, no. You're supposed to talk about people leaving us reviews. Oh, okay. Yeah, folks, we, we enjoy doing the podcast and, you know, I would probably be doing this, uh, even if nobody was listening. But when you broadcast out there week after week after week, hour after hour after hour after hour, and nobody knows, nobody responds, nobody says anything to let you know that they're listening, it, it can be, uh, uh, soul crushing, I think is what I'm looking for. <laughs> um, so we do like hearing back from you. We do like getting some feedback. And one way you can do that is to go to iTunes and go to the iTunes store and register if you're not already registered, although I think now it's the law, so you should be, um, and leave a review telling us what you like, what you don't like, or just, you know, giving a shout out and saying, hey, guys, and that's it. And then put whatever number of stars from one to five on there, and that helps raise our profile, gets us more hits, gets us more listeners, and makes us feel all warm and cozy knowing that somebody has heard us, even if they absolutely hated everything we said. And Mike, uh, we had a uh, contest, and we have a winner. Uh, well, the contest was to win a autographed copy of Kane Hodder's biography, Unmasked, the true life story of the world's most prolific cinematic killer, is the subtitle of the, the book. Um, and we asked people to send in a picture of themselves wearing a hockey mask and a sign saying, I love, or I heart dark discussions or something like that. Since, uh, we wanted this by Friday the 13th and for Valentine's day. So tied the two together. And, uh, we do in fact have a winner. We got, I think three entries and the winner is if Eric has properly decoded the pronunciation of the name, <laughs> Holly Swike Misiak. And somewhere in there will be a drum roll and lots of applause that Phil will edit in in post-production. Maybe. Maybe, right. with a better announcement by Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> On a side note, uh, everybody should go to the Dark Discussions Facebook group where the pick sure is and maybe i'll put it on the, the front page of the website as well uh but she did a fantastic job uh mike why don't you explain uh how she 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 won the contest i mean obviously oh, she, she bribed us basically that was it she paid us a lot of money and uh we we took it and ran <laughs> i got a new car out of it and i said but it's not really worth this many thousands of dollars it's it like 45 now anyhow no she uh um she sent an awesome picture which I'm having trouble locating at the moment, and I guess she was she was short a uh, a hockey mask, so it rather than than order one through Amazon Prime or something like that, she used makeup to make a hockey mask, and so white and black on her face. Oh, there it is! I just had a mysterious message from the gods showing me where the picture is. There it is. Yeah, and it's it's really it's a good makeup job because you know it. And it just at first I didn't even realize that it was a makeup job, and I'm thinking it's a, a selfie that she's taking. Uh, he hello. Yeah, it looks yeah, like walking a across the picture. Yeah, it looks like a selfie, and she's got her eyes closed, so that way it you know helps with the illusion, and uh, it, it it's really pretty awesome. It's really awesome. So yeah, uh, it, it is a, it is a very nice picture. Uh, I even like the the the, the print for the We Love Dark Discussions on a bloody sign. Yes. So that's really cool. And we really appreciate you listening. And we appreciate you letting us know that you're listening. And we appreciate the fact that we are going to pay postage to send this to you. So you're going to have to send us um, your address so that we can get this out to you as quickly as I remember, which is getting longer and longer as I get older. 
<laughs> yeah, and she she actually did a, a a great job as we discussed. I mean, to even add the blood um, on the the poster that says "We love dark discussions." It was awesome as well. So, never mind um, uh, the mask as well, uh, painting it on. So, fantastic job, Ollie. Great job indeed, and thank you for letting us know that you listen. We do. I, get, had, we, I had something to mention, Phil, if you don't mind. Yeah, go right ahead, Eric. Because uh, Mike was talking about uh, you can leave a re- review on iTunes to uh, show your appreciation for us. Uh, one of our listeners found another way to show appreciation for us. I uh, I got something delivered to me this week. Did either of you have the same experience? I did not, no. Okay. Well, one of our listeners has been begging Phil for a long time to set up a donation area on the Dark Discussions oh. webpage. Okay. Uh, and that has not happened. So this listener tracked down... My Amazon wish list. Um, and Michelle Barkley is the listener I'm referring to. So she was kind enough to purchase two of the Blu-rays on my wish list off Amazon uh, and send them to me. So she got me a copy of North by Northwest and Starry Eyes. So I just want to take a moment to say thank you very much, Michelle. I appreciate it. So that was a that was a really pleasant surprise. You have a stalker. Congratulations. <laughs> well, it's a stalker who sends me cool movies, though, so it's all good. Oh, my wish list is so out of date because I have things. Yeah, me too. Right? I know. I've never – because I've got like – Get, get them up to date, uh, guys. She might find them soon. Well, yeah. yeah she, you know, here, I, this, that's the next thing I was going to mention is uh, Michelle Barkley contacted me on Facebook, and uh, she, we got a – I'll read it out to you what she said tonight because I asked if uh, we could I could read it out, and she said most certainly. And she does mention something about what Eric just said. She goes, first off, happy birthday because it was my birthday this past Monday. Uh, second, yes, I did get the Bugs anthology. Thank you. Yeah, because she won a copy of the Bugs Tales that Slither Creep and Crawl, which is uh, by Great Old Ones Publishing. It's a anthology of like thirty stories. Uh, including MJ Preston and Christy Schooner and actually myself too. And MJ Preston did the artwork for the book, readily available on Amazon. And big news this past Monday, my birthday, as a matter of fact, the story Baby's Breath, which is the very last story in the book, was nominated for a Bram Stoker Award. The author, Sidney Lee, is a Massachusetts, New England writer. And the story was fantastic to the point where director Simon Rumley uh, of red, white, and blue, as well as ABC's A Death and a number of other things, uh, wrote the foreword to this book and specifically mentioned her story as one of his favorites. Uh, so that was pretty cool that she was nominated. So congratulations to her. Anyway, she, meaning Michelle Barkley, got a copy of the book, um, and she mentioned that she was working really, really insane hours for about three months because she does. Uh, she's a baker, and she works like those – overnight shifts all the time and has to get up at one and all that i am still listening and an uber fan i haven't gone anywhere in that way because she hasn't been on facebook recently she said that the anthology bugs tales that sort of creep and crawl is great she also said and this is where eric mentioned just a second ago i would also request that you update your amazon wish list i donate money to three other podcasts and since you haven't put up a donate button for dark discussions yet another podcast i listen to mention having an Amazon wish list. Turned out when I headed to Amazon yesterday and synced my account with Facebook, I was able to at least find you and Eric on there. So if nothing else, 
once in a while, I would like to be able to show you guys my appreciations for all you do in some form. Now, we just need to get Mike and Abe to get their butts on there and set up wish lists as well. Uh, she goes, I was bummed, though. I caught the episodes that mentioned the Kane Harder book contest too late. I was listening to a few audio books and was behind on my podcast. Uh, then she goes, I keep forgetting to mention Edge of Tomorrow is a friggin' fantastic film. Holy shit. I remember you telling me the film. it was the film of the year. I balked because you know me and science fiction. It came VOD, and I decided to pull the trigger and watch it about a month ago. I wanted to kick myself in the ass for waiting for so long. I loved it. <laughs> I actually can't say enough good about it. I want to gush. First of all, haters can go fly a kite. Tom Cruise is an incredible action star. He's the only reason I will even think about watching a sci-fi movie. I loved him in War of the Worlds. He has a great on-screen presence and handles action perfectly. Such a strong concept, script, look, soundtrack, hell, even ending. Edge of Tomorrow rocks. Bravo. And thank you for turning me on to this one. I may have never watched it if it I weren't for, for you recommending it so highly. It's on HBO now, and I have it on all the time. My oldest son caught the end of it yesterday morning, and I recorded it last night because he told me he was really excited about watching the rest of it. Love it. Uh, thank you. Yet another movie I watched because of you guys. Come Back to Me also was one I actually shut the podcast off and made myself watch it before listening. Yay, and, good for her. And I was glad I did. And she goes, ah, and Nightcrawler, just watched it this weekend, loved it as well. Lewis Bloom is a total psycho and fascinating to watch. I actually felt dirty after watching his hijinks. Bravo to that one as well. That's uh, Michelle Barker. It was good to hear from her out of the blue. Uh, I guess I'll have to update my Amazon wish list. Uh, it never occurred to me that's what she meant, Eric, that I, I didn't know people could even look at my wish list on Amazon, to be honest. Yeah, I, it was a little bit of a surprise for me, but uh, I got a I got an email saying that uh, I had a request to make sure it was up to date, uh, and then when I got onto Facebook, it uh, identified her. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Oh yeah, that is cool. And uh, North by Northwest, one of the best films ever. Yeah, I was particularly pleased with that one because that's a movie that was on my wish list, and yep. it's the kind of movie that I'm going to love having in my connection, but I probably wouldn't have pulled the trigger on it for myself. Because uh, usually when I'm shopping for Blu-ray, I'm looking at more recent stuff. Um, so that was awesome. Did you ever see that film prior to getting the disc? Uh, I have, but it was a while ago. It was probably about 20 years ago I saw that movie. So it's ready for a rewatch for sure. Yeah, it's an Alfred Hitchcock film. Fantastic film. Possibly one of my favorite action films of all time. In theory, I would have used to say – times would have said indiana jones films but north by northwest i think is even better than any of the indiana jones films mm -hmm. and uh yeah great film love it absolutely love it so yeah michelle barkley it's good that uh, we heard uh from her for a while she's been away and uh we weren't sure where she was and uh, i think it's basically you mike and you eric that have uh said in recent podcasts where is she and that's probably why she got a came back right i also did reach out to her on facebook but as she said she hadn't been on for a while so it took her a while to get it i'm just really glad she's okay because I, I i actually sent her that message on facebook and didn't hear back from her for a week week and a half or something i was like "Ooh, geez i hope everything's okay yeah, yeah well, you know I, facebook is so 2011 
<laughs> Actually, I've heard that teenagers refer to Facebook as the place where old people go to get advertised at. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know where people go nowadays, to be honest. I, it's all about the Snapchat. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Snapchat, Vine, um, anything that they can go, look at me, look at me, yeah, look at me. People don't actually like using the English language anymore. They prefer to just show videos or pictures. Uh, uh. Uh, exactly. Yes. All right. So anyway, that's uh, the, the messages we got. Uh, any any further things anybody wanted to bring up? Uh, note. I watched a couple things. Oh, go ahead. Um, actually, two of them were on a, from a post that you put on our Facebook group. Phil, uh, I watched the remaining. Oh yes, I like that. Uh, with Dan last weekend. Uh, I didn't care for it so much. I, I really liked the first 20 minutes of the movie when, you know, all hell was breaking loose. Uh, but yeah, the rest of the movie, awesome. the rest of the movie felt just like I was being preached at. Um, like you should really believe in God. And if you don't, you're going to be sorry when it all happens. Uh, so it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I didn't, I didn't really care for it personally. Um, the first 20 minutes were cool, though. Yeah, yeah. The first 20 minutes were awesome. And then, unfortunately, it got a little slow when when they arrived at the church. Uh-huh. And then, then the end sped up again, and it was pretty good. But um, um, You understand yeah. what I'm saying, though? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, well, um, yeah. It's a biblical type of end-of-the-world type of story. But, right. But it's... The thing that's cool about it is that it's like demons and stuff rather than like earthquakes and stuff. Right. Well, it's all of the above. Yeah. Um, sure. And then the other thing I watched was uh, Digging Up the Marrow. Yeah, Mike, actually, you you uh, already seen that, right? Or rented it or something? I haven't seen it. I've got it pre-ordered. Oh, okay. So there's plenty of time to cancel it if Eric says the right words. <laughs> well, no, I think it's worth checking out. Uh, it's it's really weird movie. Um, I enjoyed it, but it's... Uh, hard to classify because I've heard people refer to it as a found footage film. And I'm not, uh, I mean, I get why people would say that, but I would have trouble saying it myself because it's really kind of a, just a, a fake documentary. Uh, Adam Green stars in the movie as himself doing this documentary, uh, about, uh, the possibility of real monsters in, in real life. So it's, kind of weird it's it's hard to put it in a solid spot in the genre uh i enjoyed it personally some people out there didn't like it so much um so i don't know mike i'll be interested to see what you had to say about it well and see like i like adam green's stuff for the most part i think frozen is probably his best film from from Holliston, massachusetts and and I think he's, he's really good despite being from Massachusetts. And that, well, that's that, I, despite I overcoming his disability. And, and he went to uh, Jewish summer camp in Brookline, New Hampshire, which is uh, six miles away from. Him. Okay. Yep. And uh, and he's where, another where, one of these guys where, that. Oh, oh, sorry. Where yeah. where he met Eli Roth and they became buddies. Okay. Yeah, so right. that just crappy trivia. So anyway, go on, Mike. I well, oddly enough, you mentioned Eli Roth because I was going to say because I kind of like the fact that, like Eli Roth, he is a, a kind of a, a, a shameless self promoter, uh, and he, you know, he gets out there, he's pushing, and, he, and he's a fan of the genre. 
And, you know, whether you like the films or not, he's a fan as much as he's a filmmaker. Uh, so, like, I, the Hatchet films are, give, are, are, are hit and miss for certain people. Uh, I don't care for them personally, but I love And if Frozen. somebody says I don't care for them, I, I, I understand that. I think I don't really care for the second one. I probably like the third one the best, but as I've mentioned before, I wasn't entirely in a good state of mind when I watched it. So I'm not sure if it would hold up on a rewatch. But, but Frozen, he, I thought, he, he was a really good film. Spiral he, he, was an interesting... He didn't direct uh, the, the third one, though, by the way. He didn't direct the second and third, but he was involved in it. No, no, he directed um, the second, but he didn't direct the third. He did direct the second? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. he had. Okay. Uh, I thought Spiral was an interesting sort of thriller. Um, and, and, I, and I really think Frozen was is still his standout film of what he's done, but he hasn't done much of late. Well, he does, so, that, he does the television show, Halston... Um, for a fair, right, which I haven't seen. Oh, it's terrible. But the thing is, is that he, most of his time, I think, is dedicated to that because he stars, he directs, he writes in it, and all that. So, so yeah. But you're right because he hasn't uh, done uh, many movies, probably because of that. So uh, he actually did pop up because he was re- quoted, I guess, maybe in one of these interviews for promoting this film, uh, or somewhere it was addressed the idea of doing the next Halloween. And I guess he said something that people liked and therefore it became a Facebook thing, uh, which I appreciate because basically what he said was uh, just have Michael Myers killing people and forget all the rest of the crap. Uh, you know, because I, I don't know, for, for the Halloween franchise, it's, it's the, the character just kept getting so far afield from what he was in, the, in even the very first film. You know, once they ascribed to him a motivation in the second movie it sort of defeats the purpose of him being the boogeyman. Right. You know, so I don't know that he'd be able to make a good Halloween movie, but there are now people out there championing him uh, to make a Halloween film, much as they did yeah. uh, champion Neil Blokamp to make the next Alien film after his little bit of fan fiction hit the internet. And that one I'm not uh, too happy about. Uh, it was just announced, I think, the past day or two that they're gonna he's going to ignore three and four completely and just... Do a sequel directly to two, which well, is I think that's just fine. I, yeah, go on. I was saying, I think that's that's premature. I don't know that that's anything official. All right, but either you know, way, I think reading between the lines. Either way, I, I think I don't. I have no idea why he wants to bring the Ripley character back. Anyway, I would think it would be best to just stop from scratch in the universe or something. But yeah, and that's that's part of it. Sometimes fans have to let go of things, but but they don't. Um, yeah, I would like to see more aliens with new characters. Yeah, and I'd be fine with that. I mean, I remember, uh, because I'm old enough to remember going to conventions before Alien 3 was released. Actually, before Alien 3 was filmed. And they Uh talked about all the different ideas they had for Alien 3. And at one point, it was basically doing, um, it was going back to do a haunted house sort of story like the first film, but with Newt as a teenager as the lead character. That might have just been a negotiating ploy to get Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I would love to see an alien movie with Newt as a main character. That would be awesome. But, of course, now it would be zombie Newt. What? Because she's dead in the, in the franchise. <laughs> oh. I thought they were ignoring that, though. Isn't that what you just well, said? Well, they are ignoring that. But I'm saying, but, let's I mean, and that was... Yeah, let's have one with Newt as the main character. Right, but now it would be it would be, you know, soccer mom Newt, I'm guessing, or... Uh, they can so make her whatever they want, right? And I don't like. I don't mind that they're that they're ignoring it because I've always liked Alien Three for what it was, 
But I've always said that you have to be able to ignore the really horrendous decisions they make at the beginning of the film. <laughs> yeah, which is just magically I, transport an egg to the ship that was in orbit and yeah, I, they kill I, off two characters the audience came to love off screen. I am all about just ignoring the last two movies. So, And the last film was 200 years in the future of the future of the future because – so well, who cares it. if it's... Let's get back to the future. Yeah. Anyhow. Um, the what, So so anyway, so we'll see what he does with that. I did like the fact... Did you see what uh, Neil Blomkamp came out as saying today? No. Oh, uh, he was talking about Elysium. Okay. Uh, and he talked about Elysium, and his basic summation of it was, I fucked up. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, yeah, at least he admitted it. And yeah, and I, and I liked that. And this is why I wish... They would wait until after films are released to record commentary tracks because you never get the response from the director and the artist and the, or whomever what actually happens once the movie is released. They all just assume when you listen to these commentary tracks that the movie has been released and has been successful and has been adored. And everyone found it interesting as opposed to something that, oh, well, this is why this fucked up. Uh, you know, there's no chance to, to, to address the criticisms or respond to them. But I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's nice and refreshing to see a director come out there and say, uh, "Sorry," right? Without actually disowning the, the the film to the point of like eccentric. Right. He is, however, not offering a refund. Bastard. <laughs> uh, just on to one more thing. I've been watching. Um, the only reason I want to mention this is, well, I'll I'll get to it. Uh, I've been I rewatched the last few episodes of season two of House of Cards uh, because season three is going to be released tomorrow on Netflix, um, and I've actually I got a direct request from Michelle Barkley for us to do an episode on House of Cards, and I told her that I didn't think Phil would allow that because it's not genre. Uh, and her response oh, hell was, it is. she thinks it's just as genre as Game of Thrones, and if we do Game of Thrones, we should do House of Cards. So I'm just throwing that out there for you, Phil. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> well I would say it is a it is a dark drama. It is a political thriller, right? Uh, more so than, let's say, in All the President's Men. You know, but it, it, it because it's a fictional thing, and things get much more uh, yeah. serious. Can't be uh, on the president's men. I haven't seen that, so I can't say. Oh, it's the best. The best. I'll have to check yeah, it out. Okay. Yeah, it was it, it's not. It's not the best. So anyway, I'm throwing out that idea for your consideration. Let's move on. Okay, fair enough. Uh, yep, and I can get it for you on Netflix because I, I uh, am a member of Netflix. There you go. Yeah, I, I would certainly be up for that, and I've been uh, trying to get Pam to watch it. Um, it's really well done. You know it is what? well done. I've I've got certain issues with with Eric, it, and oh, but that but that that we could save if we do an episode. Eric, I think uh, to answer your question, I may have the the new show that I can have to uh, to watch with my wife. Hey, cool! House of Cards. There you go. Awesome. Yes, yes. So maybe that'll be something that we could mutually enjoy together, rather than uh, her watching her um, Kardashians. Kardashians, exactly. And me watching my Game of Thrones. Tell her it's a reality show. <laughs> Tell her that Frank no, Underwood no, really no. is the senator from Georgia, or wherever he's supposed to be. 
Yeah, don't do that. That she'll she'll get horrified pretty quickly. Uh, um, what else? Um, uh, and and speaking of Alien, uh, Ridley Scott, James Cameron, and David Fincher, which are the the three big names that did the first three films, uh, and not the films, but those three individuals themselves as directors. Who is the best? That could be an episode of Dark Discussions, two hours discussing this. Oh goodness. Who is the Let's best? Let's not. Who is the best of those three guys? That's a, that is a literally it's a coin toss, possibly right? Even though Ridley Scott a three sided coin. Well, you know what? Actually, for, actually for me, it would be a two sided coin, and I, I could very strictly uh, delineate it depending upon your criteria as to who I would say is better, because I think the two I would pick between it's one has one set of clear strengths and the other has a different set of clear strengths, but one of them. I think is makes movies with blue people. Well, one of them is still making movies and is improving as a filmmaker in a lot of ways. Right, uh, right. that's right. So, I, yeah, so I think where one is more or less near the end of their career and is making one movie per decade, which is a good thing for a man go. in your sixties to make a movie a decade. Right. I see your point, but I would say this: uh, one is. Making... Are we doing this two-hour episode right now? No, no, no. I, I just want to. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I'll, I'll let it go. I'll let it go. But, but either way, it was a that's a good discussion. It's a good discussion. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, uh, news that I just popped up on DrudgeReport.com. Uh, a link that Gwyneth that Obama is a Muslim. <laughs> no, Gwyneth Valentine, who uh, is now the writer of the Catwoman comic books for DC. Oh, uh, I saw yeah. about that. She, oh, yeah, Catwoman is. Coming out as a bisexual in episode uh, comic thirty-seven or thirty-nine, I forget which. So. Well, given that sometime in the mid '80s, uh, Catwoman was a hooker, and <laughs> uh, in, in her heart, when they revamped her origin story, which is why she was wearing the black leather dominatrix outfit. Yeah. Uh, uh, th- this really should not be a surprise to anyone. I don't know how they've updated her character and her origin story and all this other crap in the many, many reiterations since then. But at least this makes a lot more sense than deciding when they made a 70-year-old character with a long history of having a loving wife suddenly turn out he was gay. <laughs> and who was that? The whole time. But who was that? Uh, that was with the, the Golden Age Green Lantern because they wouldn't actually want to use the modern Green Lantern because, you know, People were still buying books to read about that character. <laughs> so, so, the, so the happily married father and all that other stuff suddenly became gay. The whole happily time. married father of twins. Yes, he turned out he was gay all along, even though there was never any foreshadowing to that effect. Huh. Uh, whatever uh, gets you mainstream press. He and, just like you know, popped my- out of a cake and said, "I'm fabulous." Yeah, wow. my favorite was uh, That's pretty shitty writing. Yeah. <laughs> My, my favorite was John Byrne's uh, Canadian superhero team, Alpha Flight, which was a thing in the 80s. He had created a character named North Star who was intended to be gay with AIDS. Ooh. And, and, and this is Canadian, you said? Well, it was a Canadian superhero team. This was John Byrne was one of the biggest creators at Marvel Comics in the, in the 80s. He was really, really hot. Anything he touched turned to gold. And around. he did really some real great stuff with Fantastic Four, great stuff with the Hulk. Um, he ended up going over to DC to do the Superman reboot and wrote some great stuff there. But 
he had this character Alpha, uh, in Alpha Flight named North Star who was gay. He had AIDS. But, of course, it was the 80s, and they wanted to be careful. They didn't just throw it out there. So he was building to eventually the reveal, and you would see the character had been sick all along. And, uh, and then Marvel kind of uh, blinked, decided they couldn't do that, which is probably why Byrne ended up leaving that book. And they decided that he was actually – rather than say he was a gay man with AIDS – was that he was a uh, from a magical alternate dimension and being he was sick because he was separate from that alternate dimension. So basically, what they said was, we don't want to be controversial, so you can't make the character gay. We're going to make him a fairy instead. What? Ah, uh. no! Literally, literally, they said that he's not gay. He's a fairy. It's like no, the character. I, I, I understand. It's just dumb. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was dumb and. <laughs> And that's why the book became real dumb after John Byrne kind of left it, but uh, among other reasons. But anyway, that's always one of my like head slapping moments. But I was a character who was written and designed to be gay. You know, it's How as opposed to trying to start. start. Oh, Catwoman, right? Still Catwoman. Uh, so uh, Anne Hathaway, Michelle Pfeiffer fan fiction, I guess. Yeah, um, there we go. Julie, Julie Newlar, and, or we can go back and do since we had we we could go back and do the uh, the, the Menage a Trois from the, the original Batman TV series and take all three Catwomen there. I'm liking this idea. There we go. All right, uh, and with CGI, we can do anything now, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> that's money well spent. We, we could we could have a Lee Merriweather and and Eartha Kitt and you know it's and Julie Newmar all together. All right. Well, actually, we could have a Julie Newmar at the age of 25, Anne Hathaway, and a 25-year-old Michelle Pfeiffer. All That's together. what we're saying, man. You're on board? Yeah, I guess All so. right. All right, so for your next Dark Discussions contest, here's what we need. <laughs> That's terrible. Put in your requests now. <laughs> All right, all right. So, uh, any, any other further news or updates or things that anybody wanted to bring up? No, I think we should get into the topic for the night. All right, that sounds like a good idea, since we are definitely going off the rails. So, Eric, why don't everybody know what we're going to discuss tonight? All right, tonight uh, we're going to be discussing Season 4 of Game of Thrones. People love their king. They know I saved the city. They know I won the war. The war's not won. It's tempting to see your enemies as evil. But there's good and evil on both sides in every war ever fought. They have a choice. They can live in my new world, or they can die in their old one. Things are a bit tense right now. I don't think I'm talking my way out of this one. If the Wildlings breach the wall, they roll over everything and everyone. Given the opportunity, what do we do to those who've hurt the ones we love? I want to know which side you're on. Tell your father I'm here, and tell him the Lannisters are the only ones who pay their debts. You 
fight over him like beasts until you tear him apart. I will burn our house to the ground before I let that happen. Bullers! Tonight we fly! There's only one hell. The one we live in now. That's right, Game of Thrones Season 4, the television series based off of George R.R. R. Martin's novel series, uh, Song of Fi- Ice and Fire. However, since they didn't know whether or not uh, the series would ever survive, they named the first season, named after the first book, Game of Thrones, and ever since it's just been called Game of Thrones. And uh, the showrunners, as we know, David Ben Neuf and D.B. Weiss, uh, another podcast. I forget uh, what the the name of it is. They they call them the Double D's. <laughs> yes, they do. Yes, yes, they do. And uh, my name is David Chen, and with me is Joanna Robertson. <laughs> that's not, not to uh, that's not to a podcast that Phil and I both like to listen to called uh, uh, Cast of Kings. Uh, I have not read any of the books, and Joanna Robinson has read all of the books. <laughs> and uh, on the side, and by the way, by the way, they uh, they have a Kickstarter campaign out for uh, season five of the podcast. Uh, if anybody cares to check that out for Cast of Kings, however, their goal this year is much lower than previous uh, Kickstarters that they've run because they now have a sponsor. That's right. I um, I got to ask because I have not listened to this podcast. I may check it out. First of all, let me ask you, is this podcast only run while the show is on? Yes, they do it after every or do, or do they fill in the intervening 40, uh, 42 weeks? They do one or two during the 42 weeks. All right, so you're talking, if I wanted to catch up, they probably only have like 50 episodes or so. Right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they do one per okay, episode so that, plus a couple of extras. Okay. Uh, and here's the other. Why do they need to be... F- Kickstarted? What exactly are they doing? Because they're smarter their... than us, and they ask people for money. Hi, I could sit around and bullshit on my couch for free, or <laughs> you could pay actually, me for this. Actually, uh, they have a much wider audience than we do. I suspect uh, David Chen actually works for um, uh, oh Slash Film, I believe. Um, right, and, uh, and Joanna Robinson works for Vanity Fair. Yeah, she writes for Vanity Fair now. So, yeah. uh, their, their podcast costs more than ours to produce because of the channels that it goes through. But to be honest, though, I think the main reason, uh, they have a large audience is specifically because a lot of people, when they look for podcasts, they type in Game of Thrones and it immediately pops up. Well, when you type in horror podcast, that's so anything and everything that it could, you know, <laughs> Versus and this is why we need more reviews in iTunes so we can get to the top of that list, right? Instead of being piled on at the bottom. Exactly. We don't. We don't want to be the bottom bitch. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, but uh, on a side note, and Eric is is gladly welcome to join us, even though he usually doesn't like doing uh, television weekly. But uh, co-host Mike and co-host Phil are going to do a weekly episode of season five. Uh, similar to the cast of Kings. Oh, where, no kidding? Yes. You so, guys didn't tell me about this. Yes, I swore we did. 
No, no, right. never heard well, of it. Well, now you know. So it's not my podcast. wasn't my responsibility. We're going to do it on Monday night. We're going to record, and we're going to try to get it out the, on Tuesday. Right. And actually, what we're doing, to be innovative, because we understand just how important it is to be timely, and we want to get these out early, yep. we're actually going to be recording the Monday before the episode airs. <laughs> and we're going to make it all up. And just what do we imagine the previews? And we're just going to tell our own story over the course of it. Actually, you know what? We that may be, be right. We may be wrong. Be enter- that would be entertaining in its own right, but I don't know if listeners would be on board. True, true. So if Eric wants to uh, join us, even though he likes binging, uh, he is most certainly welcome. And it'll be uh, co-host Eric as well will be doing the Game of Thrones podcast on both the Dark Discussions feed and then I may have a, a second um, feed just so um, people who are searching for Game of Thrones, it'll pop up on Well, this will be an additional piece of information for me to make my decision on whether or not to keep HBO. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And and what is the name of this podcast going to be? I have no we'll, idea. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll talk okay. about that later, yes. We, we have a, a, a whole month and three days to decide. Um, Peter right. Dinklage's Mighty Cock. That's what we're going to call ourselves. <laughs> uh, I, I guarantee you we'll get some real interesting hits. I, I, th- I think you could be right. So, <laughs> um, as we were saying, um, the season was uh, season four. Um, the directors um, were uh, D.B. Weiss himself, uh, the great Alex Graves, uh, the great Michelle McLaren, uh, Alex Sakharov, and of course the great Neil Marshall, and um, the writers are David Benoit and DB Weiss, as well as George R. R. Martin, Brian Cogman, and so and that's it. So uh, there's ten episodes for the season, and some people say that it was possibly the best season so far of uh, the premier television show on. TV. Uh, what do you say, Eric? Uh, I don't know about that. It was certainly enjoyable. Uh, it had some fantastic moments. It lulled a little bit in the middle, but uh, but it was it was good. I don't know if I I don't know if I give it best though. I th- I think one or two might still be best. All right, that's fair. Um, I'm gonna say that it was the best season. I think Mike. I think you're gonna agree with me on this, aren't you, Mike? I will say I thought it was a distinct improvement for me over the third season uh, because people actually got to where they were going. Yeah. Uh, and, and there was an awful lot of people just traveling and wasting time in the third season. And if it wasn't for the Red Wedding, which you know, it, which is the clear highlight of that season, uh, I'm not sure how much people would have looked back finally on that one. Season – one has the advantage of those of us who had never seen or read uh, A Song of Ice and Fire of uh, basically being a massive sucker punch. Right. Well, and, and, plus it did have one, one of the great uh, character actors of our generation and Sean Bean, too. Oh, yeah. And, but you know what? You've had Charles Dance since then and, uh, you know, and you still have Peter English. The actoring, acting has always been great and you know, Sean Bean, I very much enjoy in uh, the first season, and his presence still sort of looms large over the series. But I don't know that the series has ever suffered from his absence. Right. Uh, and I 
uh, I'm trying to remember now. Off, there's a lot of stuff I like about the second season. The third season, the fourth season, though, I don't know if it's going to be my favorite in the long run, but man, it had its moments. Well, uh, and uh, you were you were speaking of Sean Bean still lingering over the series, and it's it starts off actually uh, at the at the beginning of the first episode of season four. Uh, the very first thing we see uh, is Tywin Lannister, that bastard, uh, melting down his sword. Sean Bean's sword, yes. Yes. Uh, or oh, Ned Stark, which are the characters. Ned Stark, yeah. Yeah, that's true. I like how he, he kind of knocks on it for being ridiculously oversized. Yes. <laughs> yes well, and, and to be fair, he's got a point. Yeah. Yes. Um, now, uh, the, this season here, even though it, it does have some really important and big episodes, and some episodes, uh, specifically episode nine, which – the first time I watched, I, I didn't really like, but the second time I watched um, in the past week, I, I think it may be one of the best episodes of the season. But um, the thing about this season, unlike other seasons, and other seasons are damn good, don't get me wrong, but this season had some damn impressive speeches and moments that literally um, stick with me from the first time I saw them, and um, they, they just a great, I guess, television, great film, whatever you want to call it. Um, we'll, we'll get into some of those um, as, as we discuss the series and the characters and whatnot. Um, now, uh, Eric, what was your your high point for this season? Because there's obviously a number of big events that occur. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a... Hmm. That's a tough one. Uh, Phil and I were talking about the chicken scene online. I definitely enjoyed that. That was pretty awesome. Uh, that was in the first episode, wasn't it? Yes, sure yes, it was. was. Yeah. Um, and but I, I, I don't think anything's gonna beat the uh, the fight between the mountain and the viper. Yeah, that, that was a good one. For a second there, I thought you were gonna say the hound and, and Brienne. That was a good fight too. Oh, uh, that you no, know, that was that was awesome too. But I, I you know what? It was a. a as far as level of awesomeness, yep. it was on the same level as the mountain and the viper, but in a completely different way. Right. It, 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 it wasn't. It didn't have quite the spectacle aspect to it. It was just right. brutal, right? Um, and but you the, had this. But the fact that this this woman was standing toe to toe with the hound was fucking awesome, right? And then he kicks her in the hoo hoo. Yes. Uh, yeah, but you know, with this, you have uh, characters like jumping and down around and swirling around his. His spear, like looking like Darth Maul out of the Phantom Menace, and speaking like uh, Inigo Montoya from Princess Bride. <laughs> so I'm not the only one that had that occur to me. Oh no! <laughs> you raped her. You murdered her. You her killed her died. children. I mean, I mean, say her name. <laughs> um, and and to be honest, that we're we're naming the two big ones, but I mean, the chicken scene fight was awesome too never mind the number of fights between uh, alistair thorn and and uh, that norwegian actor and then john snow with, with the, the fen whatever his name is and right. then and then of course uh there's the purple wedding which is a huge scene and then we have an awesome growth in a character that eric usually knox uh which is sansa stark and then we see a weakness of a character that showed just no weakness until this ep- this season, and Peter Baelish 
that being Sansa Stark. And then we have also uh, the great scenes between Peter Dinklage and Nikolai Costa Waldo. Uh, so we, we got a lot of good stuff going on in this this season. Um, yeah, yeah and for I, me, I, like the oh, do we, oh, I was going to say, the highlight for me is probably getting to uh, Peter Dinklage and his trial. And it's either the trial or the conversations he had in the prison because, you know, he has three heart-to-hearts with his brother, mm-hmm. with his uh, lackey, <laughs> whatever you want to go with his friend with Bron, and okay. then one with the complete stranger with Oberon. Uh, but they're all three really good moments. But awesome. I think this is probably Dinklage's best season as an actor. And, you know, the, the, there's, he has got, he's got meat to chew on. Uh, but for me, the, Best moment for me is when he's in his trial is not when he's railing against the court, which is the showy scene you'll you'll play for the Emmys, but just when Shay the the, the go, uh, goes up to testify and just the heartbreak in his face, right? You know, he really just does, doesn't you, you just just shatters him and destroys him. It's just an absolutely terrific performance. Yes. Um, also, I want to uh, bring up another actor that that. Oh, I and by the way, spoilers. Yeah. Just. I was just going to say, oh, by and, the way, spoilers. And, oh, and yeah, we have to remember everybody, this is the season that Hot Pie comes back. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, but I do want to mention a character that you always forget, but he, he comes out in his own and it was awesome in this, this season, even though people may not like the character and obviously for good reason. But uh, Ewan Rion playing Ramsey Snow, I thought his, his role. Oh, God. Was, yeah. Psycho. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the best characters on on the show right now. I think because of the actor who's who's playing the role. Um, so uh, where do we guys want to start? Because there's obviously a numerous things about the show, which is it is an ensemble cast where many characters are as important as those characters that you would think would be the leads. However, one thing I wanted to mention before we even get into that is how we didn't even mention. Darius and and that whole story scene, which in my opinion I've never liked. But out of all the stuff, that's the thing we forgot. That's well, the, and honestly, that storyline's pretty weak this season. Yeah, yeah, I would I would think so. And the problem with that storyline is is that, in my opinion, is that it is self contained. It doesn't really have anything to do with the rest of the the thing, except that she's well. A, yeah, but I think I oh, think I know season. where this is. I think I know where this is all going. Yeah, because uh, I think the two storylines that are kind of lame are going to come together to be the ultimate climax of the Game of Thrones story. Right. I don't, and I actually think, and we can kind of talk about. I think maybe if we pick a storyline at a time, but there are storylines coming together, and there's some of them, and there's two of them that clearly converge in that ninth episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, a lot of these come close, like the Brienne storyline. You know, kind of comes close to two other storylines, but still kind of goes its own way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you could probably, we could probably start with the Daenerys storyline. And I don't think it was, I see, I didn't find it quite that lame. It was maybe not enough for the whole 10 episodes. Uh, but they're clearly, uh, you know, trying to build the character and showing the character's growth and development. Well, and the thing is, this is so much harder for them to do in the television series than it is in the books. Uh, has anybody read the books besides me? I've read the books. No, first. you're actually the only person who's ever read the books. No, I meant speaking right now, dumbass. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I read the first book and half the second book, and that, that's where, where I, I started. Okay. 
Well, well, the thing with with Danny is that uh, it's it's much more interesting in the book to watch to read about her development as a character because what's going on and they're showing this in the television series, but it's so compacted that it's not as effective. Is basically she's going to the world. I mean, she starts this starts out this whole story very young. Uh, she basically goes in, you know, off to the the grass king as an innocent girl being sold to a king, uh, and becomes this leader figure, and she knows nothing about the world. So her whole thing is, uh, slavery's wrong, slavery's wrong. I'm going to end slavery, which you know, slavery is wrong, and ending it is a good goal. But she thinks she's just going to say, oh, it's bad. Stop. Uh, and kill the people doing it. And nobody else is ever going to want to do it again. Uh, and she doesn't realize that the world doesn't work like that. Uh, right. and, and the way they develop that in the books, I think, is a little more effective than the way they're developing it in the television series. Simply because they can't spend the necessary time on it. Well, Actually, that's what I liked about it. Is the fact that in a lot of genre entertainment and most i mean movies and tv shows it would just be you know the uh the high school student mentality of well why did they just stop it then it's so bad it's because it's complicated like everything else in life it's complicated and the fact that she's she's she learns this lesson it's complicated and i just like the fact that they they even address that issue and that she's learning that it's more that it's there's more to ruling than simply freeing your people you have to right you know uh like when they the guy comes to them and says uh she's well we set up we set up uh mess halls for people to go to i said yeah and the young people terrorize the old people there mm -hmm. you know and then said we set up obamacare yeah but the website's not working <laughs> and right. whatever it's it's always easy to go out there and promise and you could go with anything, you know, and we'll liberate the people of Iraq and they'll greet us with flowers. You know, it's go out there, and make big promises that sound great. And then it turns out to be a fucking mess and people are surprised. And we're not talking people who are, you know, 17 year old girls on a TV show set in, you know, medieval times. We're talking about actual experienced world leaders yeah. that still somehow get smacked upside with the head with reality is hard. Right. Well, no. So, somebody set the difficulty setting way too high a long time ago, and nobody's been able to figure out how to get it back down to normal. And, and to be honest, uh, Daenerys screws up continuously because she she's trying to make everybody happy. But but no, well, even that she's she's screwing up because she is doing vengeance on the people who are doing quote unquote the wrong, therefore making herself be as bad as them because she's doing wrong. And one of the, her her minions, not minions, but people that she is now ruling even says that, saying that uh, one uh, bad can't correct another bad and that doesn't make a right. And mm -hmm. she has to think this over and over and stuff. And, and the thing is, is that honestly um, by the end of her storyline where she has again, like you said, Eric. Spoilers. Uh, Jorma Morma. She kicks out. It was probably the worst thing she ever did because he was the he was the real brains behind the whole situation, where she had the charisma and the the power 
but he uh, he was the guy that was really he was like the hand. Well, and again, the- she's she's making the same mistake there, which is seeing things in black and white. Uh, you betrayed me. Go now. Uh, she doesn't understand that he came around to her side after beginning as a as a spy, um, and, and she just can't see that. All she sees is a betrayal. And to be honest, um, uh, on another podcast, whether it was the Cast of Kings or, or the the other one that calls the showrunners the Double Ds, I forget the name of that Game of Thrones podcast, but they said one of those two said that. He, she was stupid to toss him out and think that way when Simon Barrister, the other guy that's now helping her, he, he himself uh, betrayed her father and grandfather mm-hmm. by becoming, you know, the uh, a defender of the Baratheon king, mm-hmm. and then only is now here. So why was he not tossed out? Why would she take him in? When he was as much of a quote unquote traitor as Jormon Mormon. Right. Well, because there's things that happened to you. But it was her, her, her father. Who she never met, right? Or she doesn't really yeah. know. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, that's history. That's, it didn't happen to me. And she can tie, uh, Jorah but- to, uh, you know, the death of, if she want, we want to go there. You know, questioning everything that he's done, and you know, especially where the death of her of Khal Drogo and uh, the death of her baby. You know, does he had anything to do? Did all those events did kind of end up leading to that? But I agree, it's an overreaction. But you are seeing her, and you know, I'd, I'd really need to. I haven't taken basic psychology in a really long time. Learning things, but right, she's still very much. She was originally in a black and white. And it's a uh, looking at everything very self-centered and very childlike. And now she's moved to a different spot, but she's she's she is like where a teenager is. Everything is in the ideal, right? Before it was for me and my family. First, me and my brother, then me and my husband, and me and my baby, and lash out at those that attacked us, and and that me 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 me. And now she's well, help my people and be magnanimous and slave like you said, slavery bad. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you know, and when, oh, well, her sense of justice is hammerai by code. Well, they slaughtered 163 slaves and crucified them. We all do that to 163 owners or whatever the number was. Yeah, right. was eye for an eye without instilling things like logic, compassion, proportionality into that. And the hammerai by code is absolutely important in the history of the development of the sense of justice and legality. And it was a massive step up from, you know, this from from just sort of the arbitrariness that you would get, say, from King Joffrey, eh, right? You know, where he would just say, "Kill them all," you know, right? Um, in front of me for personal enjoyment. <laughs> and but of course, but then she has the other guy and uh, come to her and talk about, uh, "Can I get my my dad's body back now to, to bury him?" And it's and you realize that. You know, not every slave owner was like the, you know, the, uh, what's his name? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's, uh, Candy from, <laughs> from Django Unchained, right? It's, uh-huh. you know, it's, there were different types of slave owners and there were, re- you know, it's, when you look at American history, 
history, and we all want to say how horrible slavery was, and it's bad. I'm not endorsing slavery, except maybe for the extremely stupid. But, um, well, maybe you can slave Canada. That could work. Ah. But, because uh, they're nice, they would never rebel. But it's a complicated issue, and, you know, they were illegal, and you weren't legally allowed, and, you know, under the, the rules of the of England to free more than one slave a year, which, you know, George Washington owned 200 slaves. He wasn't going to live that long. Right. You know, and what do you do with them when you free them? And you saw the one guy who's got no place to go and, you know, he wants to basically sell himself back into slavery so he can go back to the house with the kids that loved him that he loved teaching. Right. You know, it, it, it isn't always easy. It isn't always black and white. It's a tough issue. And I like that they kind of addressed that and they didn't simply stick with the, Slavery bad storyline that they showed us some shades, but I really liked the way that story, the the her story arc ended for the season. Well, and yeah, with the that up because sure she was was being told by uh, her her men, Selmy and Barrister or whatever, to now it's time to hit King's Landing, and then she's told that the cities that she's freed, and she put in oh, right. the Democratic leader and all this other stuff, and then. When the army moves out to go to the next city, that city returns to chaos and and whatever. So she decides instead of going to King's Landing to take over Westeros again, she's going to instead go back to these cities and try to correct that and make it a legitimate um, government rather than total chaos as these cities have turned out after her armies have pulled out. Right, which is something you can do when you don't. Have when you're not a, a democratically elected leader, and I mean, you you could obviously draw parallels. Not that I think they're trying to, like Iraq, specific with Iraq, because this is something you could go through historically. But went in there, kicked some ass, put things together, and then left. And as soon as you pull where the support structure, all everything collapses. Right or Afghanistan. You're right, and now they're Af- 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 Iraq, what Afghanistan. That's yeah. not the way they wanted it. <laughs> right. I mean, you take a look. Well, I mean, you compare that to, say, uh, uh, what happened after World War II with Japan, where the United States stayed there for a while. And actually, we haven't left, have we? <laughs> no. Uh, so, <laughs> and, ba- and basically, but although I think the scaffolding is finally in place, and if we pulled out of Japan, the, that country would still be internally viable it's more oh, external yeah, issues it, it's completely different than the marshall plan and europe and and uh the occupation of japan are completely different than iraq and afghanistan and, and that's the thing everybody forgets is you know everybody rips about afghanistan and iraq and yet only 50 years ago all of western europe central europe southern europe and south korea Philippines, Japan, and all those nations, the U.S. did the same thing, as well as our allies, and all those countries are good. Right. So this more modern thing, which is getting rid of the bad people, replacing them with good people to give, quote-unquote, better life, and then leaving, and then the moment you leave, total chaos, you could argue is, I guess, more fresh in the minds of people right now, and that's why they can make the parallel to Afghanistan and Iraq versus, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned, like Japan, and then I added all of uh, the Marshall Plan of Europe. Right, which is why I don't think Martin – I'm not saying he wasn't you know, completely ignorant of what was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan 
But I'm saying that this is something that goes well beyond that. That's only a more recent example. And you can see examples of this sort of throughout history of conquerors going in and when they leave, things just kind of fall to shit. Um, you know, it's, it's complicated, right? That's, that's, yeah, again, that's the story. So but, uh, yeah, and, and, and that's, and like, so you have here the stories slowly starting to converge because touching on this, I think might be the only, was it at a, at a small council meeting? Where the topic of her armies comes up, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's and it's. I think it's the only small council meeting we have all season. Where oh, what threat is she? She us. Uh, she's got eight thousand unsullied. She's got three dragons. She's <laughs> conquered two cities. And you know, you might want to pay attention. Yeah, it's 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 time. You know, it's sort of. You know, well, it was just a numbness in my in my finger, and well, now your arm is falling off. I think you need to go to the doctor. You know. Yeah, but you know what? A time when Lannister doesn't give a rat's ass about it. He goes, "I'm not worried about it." And I forget what he said, but he, whatever he said was fairly legitimate. And I can't remember specifically. The other important thing they said in that that round table was uh, put 200 gold pieces on the pound's head. I mean, on the hound's head. Right. Uh, right. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, he, Tywin Lannister, played by Charles Dance, he says something about the Targaryen woman and all that out in Essos, and and he kind of quenches it as an issue, and I forget what it was. That's but either way, I thought it was a, a, a really well because they do have more immediate issues, but they also do address something, you know, in in taking away uh, Mormon because they basically you know send his pardon there. Oh, that's exactly what he does. He goes, "Oh, you know what we'll do? We'll just, we'll just, yeah, that's exactly what it is." Right. So they, so they do address it, just but they don't just address it because they're not there, and you don't have CNN there right. with cameras to show you three large dragons and you know an well, army of unsullied for them for it to really sink in. And speaking of the dragons, uh, the other part of Daenerys' storyline this season is that she's losing control over her dragons. Um, She's becoming less the mother of dragons so much as the person who feeds the dragons, uh, or should feed the dragons, uh, because when she doesn't feed the dragons, bad things happen. Um, this is, this is much like my relationship with my cats. <laughs> right. Uh, the, yeah, so the, uh, the dragons not only start raiding, uh, the nearby farmers' herds of sheep, um, but one of them actually brings the burnt bones of their child in and lays them out before her that her black dragon was the cause of. Um, so it aids, it torched somebody's kid. Um, so the dragons are now a problem. And Daenerys, even though she might be the mother of dragons and she might be immune from their fire, uh, does not have control over them anymore. And there's a scene where she uh, sadly locks up the other two dragons uh, I don't know where the black one is at this point, uh, but there's an issue, and I have a theory about where this is all going. Also, uh, well, in the first episode of the season, uh, one of the dragons snaps at her, similar to when you know you give a dog or a cat food, and then yes. you put your hand down to to pet it or whatever. The animal thinks you're trying to steal its food, and it right. gets upset. Uh-huh. And Jormin Mormon comes in, and he says, no, no matter how... I think it was German, but either way, he, the, the guy says, "No matter what you do, you got to remember that these are just animals, and um, 
they're not, they're, you know, they're not thinking creatures like humans. So right. she learns a big lesson there as well. And unfortunately, by the 10th episode of the season, she didn't do anything until the point where she now has to lock him up. Well, and here's, you want to hear my theory? Yeah, let's hear it. Here's, here's my theory. Who has shown us that they can control other creatures, including oh, uh, humans? Oh, uh, Bran, Bran. Bran. Bran has the ability to warg into other creatures, including humans. I think where this whole storyline is headed is that eventually Bran and Danny are going to hook up at some point, and Woo-hoo! he's going not that way, but they're going to join forces. Settle down, Mike. Uh, and Bran is going to control the Black Dragon, and okay. they're, going to, they're going to invade uh, Westeros together. Or, or. He's going to be the savior of Westeros from the invading Targaryen hordes by taking that, over the I, dragons. It could, it could go that way too. Yeah. yeah, you know, and give it to um, Jon Snow or Stannis or something. Yep. Or well, I do think we don't even know of yet, like Howland Reed or something. Who knows? Right, and there's there's a lot of things because you know we're now we're starting to get into the storylines, and actually this wouldn't be a bad time to touch on on brands. Um. Yeah, let's do that. Is that they aren't setting up? Well, Daenerys He's is coming and he in can to still control other creatures. That's a storyline, right? Daenerys is coming in to, to 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 conquer, but they're setting her up to not be an Shut- asshole as a as a ruler. And now maybe they have dark plans for her. This is, after all, Game of Thrones. Right. You know, maybe she will go all maleficent on us. Uh, but at the moment. I would I would trade her in a heartbeat for certainly what we had with Joffrey. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't I, think, I, I don't think she would be as good as as, as Tommen, with uh, assuming Cersei's can get knocked out of the picture. Yeah, well, Tommen though is, is a child, so he's a nice kid. But is he going to be a leader? Is he going to be a ruler? Will he have the strength to lead? Let alone he has, he seems to have the compassion, the kindness, and of course he has uh, uh, Sir Pounce to keep people in line, but. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it's a question whether or not he really will be a worthwhile leader. She's she's a little bit more advanced on that spectrum than he is. It wouldn't be necessarily a horrible thing outside of the thousands of people that would die in the war to conquer the Westeros. But, but you know what? I, I don't. I know people are thinking that maybe she is going to be the winner by the end of this whole series. But again, she could be just an also ran too. Well, I think. Let's not forget that you have an army of ice zombies. That's right. And those are the ones that I think we all agree would probably be the least best scenario. Yes. To win. Yeah, the, so but, yeah. so the idea is I think however the pieces on the board are going to play, it's all eventually going to have to be us versus the ice zombies. And right. all I know is that I better Daenerys see those dragons queen, in a war at some point or I'm going to be pissed. Right. Queens need kings. Kings need queens. It's That's the law. That's how you play chess. Um, and we do have someone who is the son of uh, of somebody whose of parentage is still somewhat questionable, also honing his leadership skills in a storyline that rarely overlaps with anybody else's. <laughs> well, I, I want a French Revolution, and, and then the, the people come up and throw out all these fake monarchs. Yeah, but that, that I don't think that's going to happen, because we're not spending time with hot pie in the bakery. 
<laughs> if, if this is right, I mean that's that's it. It's we're we're not getting rid of the uh, of, of the system here of of nobility and royalty and and, and 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 getting a democracy out of this. You know, we're still arguing by bloodline and lineage. You know, it's still a medieval history. We're not going to fast forward to. 19th century politics or 18th century politics rather. Um, and so, right. But, I, but right. I think you have three dragons. They've talked about riding the dragons, right? So you could put Daenerys on a dragon. Drank? Oh, uh, Bran oh, could put a... somebody else on a dragon. Right. I don't know nothing as to who could be on that dragon. Uh, well, no, 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 but don't forget what Bran, the, the, the tree man says to Bran, you will fly. And you will That's fly. That's what I'm talking about. Right. But I don't think he's going to fly in a saddle. I think he'll be warging into one or possibly all three dragons. Yes. I don't know how, I don't know how, I don't remember. Can he control more than one thing at a time? Who knows? Because nobody's been able to go into another human before. So. Oh, that's true. Maybe Who Hodor will be the dragon. Maybe <laughs> Hodor will be the king. Hodor. 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 King Hodor. Oh, Hodor. No, sorry. All right. So- um, so, we're, we're, so, we're so yeah, I think that's where that that's probably where that's where a lot of fan speculation is to where it's going. And by the way, the last thing George R. R. Martin, who has been kicked off the show and chained to his desk to write the last two books, uh, you know, should not change things based on if fans are guessing right. Please don't change anything because that never comes out well. Right. You know, if, if fans are guessing it, it's because you're leading to a logical story point that makes sense. And to change something, to change something just to surprise the fans right. would Never be a horrible idea. Well, well, I'll say this. His, his most recent book, uh, The History of Westeros, which is a really fine book, um, is, it's basically what it, it is, a history of Westeros. And, and that's the main reason why... Uh, the the latest book, uh, what's it called? Something of Winter it hasn't been released yet. Is because he's been wait, not wasting, using his time to write the history of Westeros, and that has all this stuff that states that something even else could even happen that has nothing to do with the, some of the characters we have now. So, in other words, new characters could suddenly appear that could claim the throne as well. Never mind, you know, Ned Stark's. Buddies like Howland Reed, which is the, the father of Mira, and Jojen Reed, that hasn't even made an appearance yet in the TV show. Never mind the books. Well, yeah, but they also have to be careful because people have invested in this series with these characters. And okay, you killed off Ned Stark, you killed off Rob Stark, you killed off uh, Joffrey. Not that anybody was really on Team Joffrey in the first place. You know, you killed off, and you keep killing off all the the kings and killing off the characters people love. But the idea is that when they narrow it down, the characters who are going to be standing will still be somebody that was with us in the first episode. I don't think so. I, I think we could have like Stannis was not in the first episode, for example. Um, yeah, but I don't think Stannis is going to be. Tommen wasn't yeah. in the first episode. I mean, yeah, the Martell, and, and, and you're not. And are you th- are you thinking that they're going to be the the either Stannis or. Tommen is going to be the final victor. I don't. I, I think. I think. I don't. Think I know you is. want Stannis to be the final. Well, I do, but I don't think any of them are. I think it's going to be seven kingdoms rather than one united kingdom. Oh, that that's fine. That's possible. But the but the hero of the story, whoever it ends up being, is going to be somebody we if they're you know is in the whatever the closest fit to a hero of the story is going to be. 
is going to be somebody from the first season. Uh, maybe. This is this is not Stannis. This is not Stannis's story long term. You know, this is not Tommen's story overall. And that's unfortunate because I would love to see something a, a wrench thrown into the whole thing instead of oh, right, we go okay, it's just, it's one of these five characters, you know, that we saw in season one. So it would be uh, Jon Snow, Daenerys, uh, Cersei's. Uh, Jamie and, uh, and, you know, name, Tyrion? Sander Clark, Clark, you know, if he's alive still. Or Tyrion, yeah, Tyrion, exactly. Or, or Varys or, or Peter Bellish or something like that. I mean, I guess you, you're right. It could be one of these characters from the first season, but I still think that. Well, I think it's just the basic character- rules of drama is that you don't get your, your, your audience involved. You don't introduce Hamlet in the first act. Well, Eric, and have it be uh, and have it be Rosencrantz's story in the fifth act. Uh, but again, though, we're talking about uh, a series of books that are a thousand pages each, and 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 the, all the more reason why these people are invested in these characters. You know, there there has to be, for example, um, there has to be a point to so let's let's say to, to Sansa's story, or there has to be a point to um, Arya's story. There, you know. People, because if, if Arya like steps off the ship at the beginning of the the fifth season and dies, <laughs> you're gonna go. Well, what the fuck did we waste five four seasons following her and the <sighs> Hound wandering around? Sure, it was an entertaining story, but it all ends up being just a, a diversion, right? And there has to be a point to it. When um, with Rob Stark dying, there was a point to it. Right, because his story was important because he starts the re- you know one part of the rebellion. He starts the the uprising in the north, and his death has ramifications beyond that. Well, Whereas if Sansa or if Sansa or uh, or Arya died tomorrow, there would be no larger ramification in the story at the current the way it's currently structured. Well, I will say this uh, from the books: probably the storyline I'm most curious as to how it's going to end up is Arya's. Okay. Because I know a bunch of stuff that wasn't in uh, season four of the TV series. They'll probably get into it next season. Um, it gets a little weird, and I'm really interested to see how it, where it goes, ends up going. Yeah, I mean, what, let's, let's look at it this way. We can assume, based off of how this season ended, season four, that area story will definitely be more interesting. I, I think Stannis is going to be huge. And Ramsey Bolton's going to be huge um, because that whole no, uh, you know, John Snow, the whole bit. Oh, and uh, the dude, uh, the King of the Wildlings. Uh, what's, what's that guy's name? Um, I forget his Ma- name. Mance Ryder. Raider. Yeah, Man- his name is Gingerface. Yeah, Mance, Mance Ryder. So all those dudes could have huge stories too. But um, I'm curious. I'm not. I don't like the Arya character much anyway. So I'm not really as curious. I guess as. As uh, what? Sound to be? Oh, that's right. Yeah, you don't remember you're, that? You're weird. You don't like the good people. No, I don't like. Sociopaths. No, he's he's no. He's, he's team. She's Stannis. Like, where is your sociopath? <laughs> uh, well, hey, the other podcasters that say say she is too. So I'm not. I'm not well, that doesn't well, make them right. Well, let's talk about Arya. She may be getting there, but she hasn't no, been. No, the no, you no. know, it's she's on her way. Uh. <laughs> Let's talk about her for a minute, because in the first episode of season four, uh, we get this wonderful scene, the chicken scene that Phil oh, and I have been uh, talking about. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and it, no, it's it's actually not only is it an awesome scene with the hound, but it's a pivotal scene for Arya because during this scene, you get to see her lose her innocence. You get to see that happen. Ooh, I don't want to see that. No, not like that. God, why are you twisting everything I say tonight? Um, <laughs> but during this scene, basically, in their travels, the adventures of Arya and the Hound, which, by the way, is a television show I would totally watch just on its own. Um, they come across, by happenstance, the dude that stole Arya's sword, uh, Needle. So they, uh, they Oliver? Is that the guy's name? I yeah. honestly forget yeah, his name. Yeah, that's, I believe you're absolutely right, Mike. So they, they run into this dude at some random inn or whatever. Um, and so they go in there and he recognizes the hound and comes over and starts talking to him and clearly does not remember Arya at all, even though he's still carrying her sword. Um, and we get this great scene where he's trying to be all chummy with the hound because he's heard of him. Um, and the hound just ain't having any of it. <laughs> oh, it's an awesome scene. And, and so he's just like saying whatever he can do to insult this guy and piss him off. Um, and basically, uh, says, yeah, you're, you're buying me dinner. Bring me a chicken. <laughs> and then he drinks his ale and tells him, bring me two chickens. Uh, and a fight ensues. Oh, no, and then he goes, he goes, he goes, uh, to the hound, he goes, uh, so you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna die over a chicken? And then the hound goes, somebody's going to. <laughs> right. That was awesome. <laughs> awesome. I heard that Joffrey's dog had tucked tail and run from the Battle of the Blackwater. I didn't believe it. But here you are. Here I am. Bring me one of those chickens. You got money to pay for it. You paid for it. <laughs> no. But we're the king's men. So, you got money? Not a penny. I'll still take that chicken. Tell you what. We'll trade you. One of our little chickens for one of yours. Give us a go at your friend. Lowell there likes them a bit broken in. You're a talker. Listening to talkers makes me thirsty. don't seem to understand the situation. I understand that if any more words come pouring out your cunt mouth, I'm going to have to eat every fucking chicken in this room. You lived your life for the king. You're going to die for some chickens. Someone is. There's an awesome fight scene where the hound is just kicking ass. Um, 
And during this this fight scene, Arya is kind of hiding in the corner for a while. Uh, but then she weeds her way out when she deems an opening is is there, uh, and basically takes the needle back from the guy. And this is where she makes. I mean, she's killed before, but it was more of a reflex thing, circumstance than anything else. And here she deliberately takes needle. Uh, and there's this guy that's incapacitated on the floor and she makes sure that he remembers that she's the one that he took that sword from right before she jams it up through the bottom of his mouth into his brain. Um, and so that's the moment right there. She made an intentional effort to uh, cause him mental distress right before she killed him. That's right. And and that's uh, just one of multiple things that occur uh, this season that leads her into a path that you could argue, in my opinion, might a sociopath. But no, sociopath is a clinical issue. She's on a path of revenge. I was going to say, I don't know if sociopath is the right word, but she's certainly not a sweet, innocent little girl anymore. No, she she's angry, and I think if you've you know watched the show, she has reasons to be angry. And you could certainly argue that she's not channeling it in the correct direction, but of course, let's so, take so a look at who's been her, so her guide she, on this journey. Hey, hey, hey. So doesn't Jihad John uh, have reasons to be pissed, too? But he's a scumbag, and she's becoming just like that. Uh, you know, she's at least still targeting just the people who have she have, have directly wronged her. You know, the person who killed her friend. And... It, don't get me wrong, she's going off on a dangerous path here, but I don't know how what she did here was necessarily any different than uh, if she had said, uh, my name is Inigo Montoya, you'll kill my father, prepare to die. <laughs> right? It's the same thing. The same thing as Oberon, you know, you raped her, you killed her, you murdered her children. The same thing. He just wanted to kill the hound. You know, these are people who are revenge because these people mountain. did murder their family members. The mountain, not the, not the hound. Uh, the, right, sorry, the mountain. Um, and given that we are in a m- sort of medieval structure here, uh, you know, and <laughs> until recently, Prince uh, King Joffrey was the chief law enforcement officer of the land. Uh, I, I don't necessarily fault someone for taking some of these things into their, their hands personally. And it's not like she's killing somebody because she found a hair in her soup. Uh, it's certainly dangerous, and I'll be curious to see where her journey goes. Well, all right, Mike, I would agree that there's degrees of sociopathology, and she's one of them. Right, and I don't know where she's going to end up, but I certainly, she's not a character. If you're, if you're a sociopath, you have no emotional necessarily connection to other people. I don't think that's the case. You know, and I, it, it's now she hasn't been with anybody in a while that she gave a shit about. Although you can have a real interesting conversation about her and the Hound at the end. Um, and we should at some point. <laughs> and we should, and we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, you know, it's it's the question is where will she go? She's a character who is at the crossroads in in a very you know, you know, literal way, right? She she can go in any direction. Well, let me and, let me say let me mention this, Mike, to should put this in perspective. Um, on another podcast, the uh, the Game of Thrones podcast, I think it's just called. Um, the guy got an email about from this woman who's stating 
two people how the people, the audience, meaning us, don't really like the Sam character that much. But everybody loves Arya. And yet... Who doesn't like Sam? And Well, this is what this woman wrote in an email to this guy. And and the point is, is what she was trying to say is that all the, the fans love the people that are going on the wrong route. And yet, the, the probably the most nicest and, and decent person on the show, people, you know, were annoyed with or don't like. And what does well, that say about us, all of us? You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, this again, is the just, Batman is cooler, Batman and Wolverine are cooler than Superman thing. Right? And then they're cooler than Superman and Captain America. It's, oh, cause they're just nicey nice characters. Well, it's not always easy to be a nicey nice character. And I think Sam is a, is a great character. And I think Arya is a different character. Arya's got a risk. If Arya was, let's say, if her father was still alive, and yet somehow she was still thirsting vengeance for his death, uh, might counsel her in ways that would get her off this, this path. You know, she's on a vengeance path. This is, you know, you could argue it's the same as uh, the guy in uh, what's, uh, I saw the devil, right? It's vengeance can be all consuming. And she's letting it consume her. And the best thing probably that could have happened to her character uh, would have been if she had hooked up with somebody who was not the hound. All right. And, oh, I don't know, maybe if there was some caring, noble character with whom she could identify had come across her path and been able to take her under their wing. <laughs> so close! Might have so close! So close! We just missed that. I don't think she's lost, I said, which is why I don't think you can call her a sociopath. You know, because if you're, once you get, to, you're, I don't think once you're really a sociopath, there's much coming back, if my understanding of sociopathology is correct. But she's a character who's there. Let's also remember that, you know, uh, her father was a, well, you gotta have a hands-on approach to justice. You, the man who, who pronounces the sentence has to swing the sword. Right. And. The ridiculously large sword. A ridiculously large sword. Well, she's got a ridiculously tiny sword. But she has people that I, I, I like. And when we go through her list, I don't think Prince Joffrey didn't deserve to die. <laughs> I don't think Polliver didn't deserve to die. Uh, I, I don't I think to, there's I any. Disagree. I don't think anybody deserves to die. They should just be arrested and, and put on trial for their crimes. Whatever. But, and if they found guilty, you should be put in you. jail and and be treated decently with three meals a day. We're talking about a medieval land with dragons, yeah, no. Phil. <laughs> and and I'm sorry, there are there are and and I, I'm going to say, uh, and I'm not a death penalty person, but I think there are people that deserve to die. I'm with Audrey too on that one. Um, Who's Audrey? Audrey too from Little Shop of Horrors. Are some people that just deserve to die? We're trying to convince Seymour to chop people up and feed them to her. Uh, uh, to it. Okay. That's, that's bad. So there are people that deserve to, you know, whether or not people should be inflicting the sentence or what have you uh, is a whole other matter. And I'm pretty sure the prisons of this Game of Thrones era aren't all that lovely. Um, Basically, what he's trying to say is that your hippy-dippy bullshit doesn't belong in Westeros. Well, it's not going to... It's certainly not going to fly there. <laughs> uh, so, alright, I mean, it's not like she has any question about guilt or innocence. She knows who killed her friend. She saw him do it. Right. She knows. He's, so, yeah, she probably shouldn't be taking vengeance into her own hands. 
you know, but then Batman shouldn't be running around on in the middle of the night dressed up in leather and All right, but, but beating up on random people. She's insane because she she's uh has to, to only she has OCD to the point where she has to say the names of all the people she wants to kill. I mean, who does? Oh, that? absolutely. Only, only well, psychopaths do that. You know what, Phil? If somebody chopped off the head of your father and your mother and your brother, you might get there too. In front of you, I, I have to disagree. She's there to watch. She's there to watch her brother being paraded, body being paraded around. Uh, again, there's right. that. That, that there's, the, there's the. The kid Berg, I think his name was Peter Berg. I forget that it was beheaded by Al Zawari in in Iraq, right? And his father, after the U.S. bombed and killed Al Zawari, what the hell are you talking about? His father, I let him go. Berg's, let him go. Let him go. Berg's father said that that was bad, and he should have never. We should have never killed him. He should have just been arrested. So, well, some people don't like – Ari's not in a position to arrest anybody, and nobody's going to arrest the people who did the things. No one was arresting Prince Joffrey or King Joffrey. You know, they weren't being arrested. Yeah, but other people – These are not like options Sansa, that are on the table. Sansa has had a lot of shit too, and she doesn't have to do an OCD of naming people I want dead. I mean, this, I'm sorry. You, no, you, but well, she's all – yeah, but I, don't, but, she, but I don't know where her character's going around either. She helped cover up a murder. She is going a little bad girl in the final scene there. You know n- nothing, Jon Snow. No, she, she, he he doesn't do that. I mean, Alistair Thorne, he should just push off the goddamn wall, but he doesn't. <laughs> Wait, I thought you said nobody deserved to die. But, but ah, that's, my, ah, that's my point. I caught you. Jon Snow agrees. He, he, but they're he different has, people. I'm saying, but they're different people in different circumstances. Sansa was much was 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 several years older than Arya. She was also a prisoner surrounded by her captors who had to play nicey nice so that she didn't get her own throat slit. And she's also a very different character in the first place. You know, there there are just on two, two different de- developmental paths as people. That's true. That was Arya the, is in a is in a position where what that was shown from season one episode one. Oh, exactly. When they're talking about Sansa had her needle and Arya had hers, and there were two very different needles, right? You know, is that and Arya was a tomboy. She didn't want to be a queen. She didn't want to be a mom. She didn't want to be. She wanted to be running and jumping and fighting and kicking and doing all the boy things. Where Sansa yep. was a girly girl. Yep. And Sansa has been brutalized and terrorized and tormented. Whether she would, and I have a feel, and I don't think that if she had a choice. She- I don't think she would turn into Cersei's, is my opinion. Oh, I don't think she'd turn into Cersei, but I'd be willing to bet that if you handed her a crossbow and let her point it at Joffrey, that she would that she wouldn't have pulled the trigger. Well, she was thinking. At the very least, I know she would have wanted to. She was thinking of pushing him off the bridge at one point. She was thinking of it, but this was also fairly early in her character development. Yeah, uh, and didn't quite get the chance. And it's there's questions as to what's the strength of the character and what's the real strength. Um, and this is where I think a lot of people get frustrated with, with Sansa because she's been sort of a mousy a, character the whole a time. A bit twat, I, I, I think, might say. I, th- I, th- I think she's a, uh, a survivor. <laughs> right, but surviving means not doing something, where Arya is in a position where surviving means that she has to do something. You know, because what would have happened to her if these knuckleheads in the tavern had killed the Hound? What would they have right. done to her? Exactly. And so they're in different... Now, I'm not arguing... 
because she's a child and she's developing, I'm not arguing that she's not possibly going to develop into a dangerous psychopath. It's going to depend on how people counsel her and train her and teach her to take these these feelings and, you know, what does she do with them and how does she act on them? So so this is a – let's get to the point of the story because really there isn't a lot of big interesting stuff happening between the, the inn and really the last episode. Well, actually, no, you do get that one great moment where the hound finally delivers – Oh yeah, it's awesome. They finally show up because the the whole mission of the Hound during this season is to get Arya to the Aerie, uh and deliver her to her aunt for a ransom or reward rather. Um, and, and let's and, remember, her aunt is the crazy lady who is breastfeeding her woman, her, yeah. her six year old child or whatever her, it was. Her, her her aunt is the crazy lactator. Uh, so they finally make it, uh, and by the time they make it. Uh, there's been an incident, and she's no longer alive. So they show up at the gate. The house, like, yeah, I'm here with Arya Stark to bring her to her aunt. Uh, and they're like, yeah, she's dead. <laughs> the look on not not house, only is she dead, but oh, she died two days ago. Sorry, you just missed out. Right. So the look on the house face is absolutely priceless. And then after a couple of seconds of sinking in, Arya just busts out laughing uh, and her laugh is so awesome because it's just like her laugh is the perfect you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> and I kind of would like to know you know if I could go back and watch the, the outtakes from this oh. season that would probably be the one thing I would most want is how many different laughs did it take to get just that right tone what other I've laughs heard, did she try I've heard it was a lot I've heard interviews with her where she said it was a lot well, and, I don't by, and by the was... end of the day she did not want to laugh at anything I don't really even think it was that good of a laugh it sounded like you know someone that was just trying to laugh it didn't sound like a real laugh I didn't think anyway well you just hate Arya because you're that way um, also, I another podcast, one of those two, um, Cast the Kings or the Game of Thrones podcast, stated a, an excellent point, which is um, they thought this scene was weak because Sansa was in the castle. And also, this is the niece of the person who just died through mm-hmm. the moon door. Yeah. No, this, this was Cast of Kings that talked about this. Yeah, Joanna brought this up. Yeah, and, and they should have arrested them, uh, you know, or brought them in. Yeah, I mean, because the that, next they were, were going to arrest them, but they, they were like invite them in. Yeah, yeah. So it was just bizarre. Um, well, the the thing I would have wanted to know. Yeah. Okay. So the ant was dead. Who's next in charge? Which, of course, is the crazy man, uh, boy, infant thing, right? The yeah. Well, and they've, he's, they've he's, all he's just one. left. Is I think what's going on there, right? Hasn't everybody left the area at that point? No, no aren't no. they still? Okay. No, they're still doing the investigation, aren't they? Oh, uh, okay, okay. Yeah, and, and Baelish becomes basically the de facto, or was going to become the de facto leader. Almost gotcha. Right, but you would think, in theory, that it would still be somebody that was friendly to the family taking over. Although I also. She just died. I wouldn't blame them for turning around and heading for the hills because you have to assume that she died by flying through the moon door. <laughs> she supposedly suicided is what they're told. Right. Okay. You know, so. But I, I'm saying I, I could understand why they wouldn't hang around given everything that's been going on. I, I just w- I would have liked to have a scene in which we had that discussed. Right. Like, uh, why are we going away? You know, girl. <laughs> 
do you think it's just a coincidence that Grant just died as we show up? You know, it's uh, there are bad people who you know have it out for your family. I don't know that I would hang out here. But then what that would end up doing is sort of betraying the fact before they wanted to, I suspect, that the Hound is is interested in, in Arya for reasons beyond just the money. And that is, it makes a purpose in his life. Well, it gives him a purpose to his life, gives him someone to protect and look out for. And the Hound is a fun character, but he's also, I think, fair to say a bit of a bastard. Right. Not as in a Jon Snow bastard bastard, but just a bastard. You know what it is? Uh, you're, you're right, but uh, I, would, I wouldn't even say a bastard in the sense of some of the Lannisters. I would say a bastard in the sense that he is – you know, the J.D. J. Salinger anti-hero type of bastard. Like, life's... He's an sucks. asshole, is what like he is. Basically, every, everybody... The world is shit, and I'm going to treat the world the way it should be, which is shit. Well, and he's right. not wrong. <laughs> and, and then, yeah, if, you, if you, we spent five seasons, or four seasons in Westeros, he's right. This is, a, this is someone whose face was stuffed into the fire of by his, his, by his brother, older brother. Right? Yeah. You know, who got to watch, uh, you know, you know, basically bodyguard the world's biggest asshole for, oh, for yeah. the last 10 years. And he sees his king chickening out at King's Landing when, when Stannis is invading and all this other crap. And he goes, this, this is just fucking bullshit. I'm out of here. Exactly. Right. So, I mean, so while he's not the most fine, upstanding moral citizen – his basic thing is his life sucks, right? And and he's not had really anything good in his life. Well, and in, in some weird way, no matter what Phil says, you could argue Arya is both giving him purpose, but it's somebody that, you know, for all their friction, they've come to, they he's come to enjoy your company. Also, you gotta love the the Hound too, in the sense that he was offered a knighthood and all these other things, and he said, "Fuck that! That's just stupidity." In other words, right. you know, he goes, he goes, no, I'm not a knight. I, I'm, I'm, I'm who I am, and fuck you. Right. You know, so he, he's he's a dude. He's a dude, even if he is a bastard. Right. He's he's, he's sort of he's like the punk rocker who turned down the record contract. You know, it's just <laughs> exactly. You know, and yeah, so he's, he's the guy we, so that can, wins the Oscar and refuses to accept it and, and doesn't show up to the, the and then marries his daughter. Oh no, wait, that's another. Uh, <laughs> So then they go on their travels, and of course, as they're leaving uh, the Airy, you have Brienne, who has now got uh, Podrick in tow, uh, who's been quested because of her vow to take care of the Stark girls. She's going to try to find Arya, and therefore no, going Sansa. to visit uh, Sansa, rather. She's actively searching for Sansa. Actively searching for because they, they think that Arya might be dead. And so she's going to the Airy since they, you know, they are related. Uh, and they cross paths with the Hound and Arya. Then, of course, not having living in a world where we have uh, Facebook and Snapchat, she doesn't recognize Arya at first. Uh, well, and, they, until... and they have this nice little uh, they have this nice little repartee before she realizes who she is. Because uh, I mean, really, when they meet at because, first, because it's just the like... Hound is taking a dump at the time, <laughs> right? <laughs> Arya sees this woman in armor with a sword. And is like, hey, cool. <laughs> and, um, uh, actually, and, I, I didn't get that, Eric. I got it like, oh shit. Well, she's wary because she doesn't know who this person is, but it's a woman, and I think that really kind of excited something in her. Um, 
and right. then, this, and is, then, this is a woman who is what she wants to be, right. or at one point wanted to be before she decides she wanted to be a water dancer and you know a face changing assassin and whatever else that she wants. To be. And so meanwhile, certainly- Brienne meets this girl who's sitting here in the middle of fucking nowhere. They happen to run into each other on a mountain, um, and she's practicing swords play. And she's like, "Wow, that's weird." But that's kind of cool. Who is this girl? And so they have this interesting little conversation to start things with before, uh, before they, re- before Brienne realizes that this is Arya Stark that she's talking to. Right. And about, you know, about how, well, my father didn't want me to fight. That's, you know, girls don't fight and blah, blah, blah. And they, and all the sort of they have, they establish commonality, a common ground. Yeah. But of course, the problem is, uh, the sword that she has is Jamie Lannister's sword. And the sword right. has, therefore, gold ornamentation and a lion's head on the hilt. Yes, which the and hound. The hound yeah. And the hound, who is a suspicious son of a bitch to begin with, and not right. without so. reason. Oh, and and <laughs> Arya, too, to be honest. Right. But but he's got more information to work by. He picks it up. He puts the pieces together that Arya might not have done. Then realizes she works for the Lannisters, you know, and... Not entirely wrong, but not understanding that Jamie Lannister isn't quite the asshole he was we saw back in the first season. Right. Um, And therefore decides to fight over the protection of Arya. And especially since he's not certainly not getting any gold out of this, but you get the sense he doesn't want to give her up. Right. The the best thing for Arya at this point is so go with Brienne. But we know Brienne. They don't know Brienne. Right. And Podrick... Knows the hound, and he doesn't know who the hound is now. He knows the hound as Joffrey's lapdog. Right. And who then betrayed the king, even if he was an asshole, he's still a traitor. Uh huh. So nobody has any reason to trust each other. When once again, this is one of those, if only they would sit down and talk things out, <laughs> right. all would be fine. But, but Brienne is probably the, one of the least artful person okay. possible. Uh, and, and the, with the possible exception of the hound himself, who is even <laughs> least, less artful and, <laughs> and still the diplomacy. Brienne can't even have a civil conversation with people that she likes. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and, you got, and you gotta look at it this way. The, the hound is a fugitive from King's Landing because he basically told the king to go fuck off. Mm-hmm. And so, here's this woman that looks and appears to be from the court of the Lannisters. Never mind the fact that she has a sword that she admits was given to her by one of the most powerful Lannisters of all, as well as the armor. Mm-hmm. Immediately, the Hound says, this ain't good. And, and let's be honest, she's also traveling with, uh, and I don't know if the Hound knew this or not, but she's, she's traveling with Tyrion's uh, squire. That's right. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, there's not a whole lot of places there to 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 say that we we're, we're going to be on good. Just the, the circumstances are awful for this meeting, right. and that commences with an absolutely awesome fight. Yes, between the and, Hound and Brienne. And what I love about it is that it's the Hound. And if it was somebody else that she was in a fight with, you could see them having a moment or two of. Oh, I don't want to hit her. She's a girl. I don't want to hit the woman. Or I will yeah. take it easy on the woman. No. There is, there is, no. There is, and, and, and by the way, it goes the other way because at no point 
is Brienne holding herself to, I shall fight in a chivalrous manner. No, she goes Mike Tyson on his ass and bites his ear off. Yeah, yeah. She punches him in the in the nuts. And well, he gets her right back and kicks her right <laughs> between the legs. Well, kicks there's, her there's, in two, the there's two, th- two things that are important. One, you don't ever fight fear. You fight to win. And I say that all the time because if you don't, if you fight fear, you're going to. As long as you, you don't lose, kill the person. You could lose and then therefore you die. So you can't fight fear. You got to fight to win. And second. Well, and they're both fighting to win. And, oh, you know, hell, hell yeah. You, you, hell yeah. And second, the hound knows right off the bat that she has a brand new set of armor and Valerian steel. Thank you. And so he knows he's at a minor disadvantage, assuming they're equal fighters. And and he's also got probably an infected wound. Yeah, that's right, which he does. You're right. Yeah, that's right. And and Brienne is is we know it's not. I'm not saying that she wins the fight because of that, but she is a better trained. She is a well trained fighter. The Hound has more experience. Mm-hmm. But he's probably a little bit more weary. Either um, either and, way, they're both in the probably the top ten in the all of the land as fighters because you know they're during the joustings and all that. So a coin toss or one thing like uh, being sick or Iranian to steal or whatever could be the difference of of uh, winning a match. Right. Mm-hmm. And and this and the, the fight is epic, right? I mean, it's awesome. It's a street and, and it's and it's and it's it's not a fancy fight. It's not you know master swordsmanship. It it's a it's a brawl. It's just a brutal, ugly brawl. And when she finally lets him have it, you know, just like it punches him off of a cliff. Not in a. Not <laughs> I've never a, seen that before. I've never seen that before in any other movie. That was awesome. Right, because if it was anything else in a movie, it's the guy'd be on the cliff, and she'd be, you know, and to hell with you, and give him a roundhouse. No, this is just a series of punches leading to the edge of the cliff, and and it's just very quick and sudden, like, boom, off he goes, she stumbles back, fight over, Brienne wins, Brienne wins, holds up the belt. And then she turns around to Ferraria, and Arya's gone. And of course, because Podrick is incompetent, it's like you couldn't watch the girl looking for the horses. You know, find the girl. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I thought you might need help, so why didn't you help? To be honest, it's good Podrick did not find the girl because he would have got needled, right? Yeah, uh, maybe. And Arya finds the hound and does not kill him, and we are left not that, knowing it, as he's that scene is awesome. Now, we're left not knowing whether or not the Hound dies oh, and dies. what his final fate is. Hmm? He dies. I don't know about that. Oh, he dies. I don't know about that. I do. I think he's in a monastery somewhere. <laughs> okay, Phil. <laughs> I think you know so, what I'm talking about. Here's my question. Why didn't she kill him? Because it was crueler to not kill him. He was he was sitting there in the middle of nowhere with a broken leg and an infected wound. Uh, very little, very very little chance of survival without intervention, and she does not intervene. Yeah, and the re- the real reason is because she's evil. See, I don't know. See, here's there's there's two things, and I my understanding in the book this happens really right after the the tavern scene. Mm-hmm. Right, and there, and Brienne is not involved. 
Right. right. Yeah, that, that yeah. fight is not in the book. Basically, so here they have infected with disease, and that's what really takes them out. They've spent more time together, and there, there really are two ways to look at it. I think just as – I don't know, maybe she doesn't know herself, but just as it was – you know, the Hound, I think, starts caring about her in ways more than just the silver she represents – you know, did she let him live because is he off her list? Oh, that's legit. That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Mike. All right, that's good. That's good. And and not knowing what's going on now, I could see it both ways, right? right? But she didn't exactly run to Brienne. Yeah, this yeah, guy right. got himself killed trying to protect her, and he didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. And. You know, and certainly he wants to die. He's calling for it, but she doesn't do it. And you know, maybe there's maybe it's a combination of sort of both. But you know, I'd be curious. I'm curious to see how that plays out because I can't imagine that's never going to come back. But it's, I, that at some point we're going to get in, get a sense of why she didn't kill him. And I'm curious what her answer is going to be to that. Yeah, same here. I would be curious. I mean, I didn't even think of that. Until you mentioned that, Mike, that maybe yeah, he's off the list. But I don't know. It's a good question. But now Eric's saying that he's dead, so maybe we'll never know ever. I think I think he's dead because, well, to be clear, I don't necessarily know what's going to happen in the show because next season they're going off the book. Uh, it's been stated publicly that they're going off the book. There's shit that's going to happen that does not happen in the books. Um, so I don't know for or sure. Or has everything not yet happened gonna, in the books. Right. Or that might not happen in the books. You never know. At this point, all bets are off. So I don't know what's going to happen for sure. But I think that scene was set up specifically with the intent of Ariel walking away to leave him to die. But does he die? Or does someone find him? Who the fuck is going to find him? They're in the middle of nowhere. They're in Iceland. You know, but Exactly. Middle of nowhere. So you're right. I mean, in theory, you're right. He should be dead. But, I mean, there's been theories going around. He's at the bottom of a cliff in the middle of nowhere with a broken leg and an infected wound. He's done for. Yeah, I don't know. Have you looked at the guy? He looks like he's somebody who's who's a bit of a Timex himself. He looks like he could take a licking and keep on ticking. Uh, Yeah, but this guy is sitting there saying, kill me, please. I think he's throwing in the towel. Maybe maybe Ramsey Snow will find him. Oh, <laughs> can God. Him a sausage. <laughs> but, 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 but to be honest, if they really wanted us to know that he was dead, 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 and dead, they would have showed, like, one of the last scenes, you know, five minutes later, uh, the corpse of him being eaten by crows or something. Yeah. They did, okay. Like the final montage. That, that would have been yeah. an easy thing to do. Exactly. Um, I'm curious. I'm checking something right now, but we'll we'll get back to this. Um, is which is uh, on the the Blu-ray the on the one of the extras is they have a roundtable with all the people who died in the season. Uh, and I actually don't remember the Hound being there. Ah. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, the, the the best one is they talk to the kid. What's the 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 little reward right? Who's, Jojin, Jinji, yeah, Jojin, is they they talk because they ask the character, the actors, how'd you find out how you died? And like one's like, well, I knew I was dying like right away, or I read the book. They told me before they hired me, and the kid Jojin because he hasn't died in the books. That's he, right. He was reading the script, and he sees, 
I got stabbed by by a by a by a what do you call white. them? Um, a white. A by white. a white. I got stabbed by a white. Oh, I can come back from that. <laughs> my sister cuts my throat. Uh, I could come back as a white. <laughs> Child throws a fireball on my body. <laughs> it's like fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So we, we, we are kind of running a bit here. Do we have, uh, I well, probably should, uh, cause we haven't touched on like, you know, a lot of all the rest of the series. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously there's two story arcs we need to touch on. Right. Obviously if, if we went way too long, I, I would just break this into two episodes. Thank you for listening to our part one of our two parts episode of Game of Thrones season four. Look forward to part two.